Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Candy Valentino. She's the author of a new book called Wealth Habits, Six Ordinary Steps to Achieve Extraordinary Financial Freedom. She is an entrepreneur and successful business person. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Candy. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Just, I know it goes with the book in more detail, but just give us a brief history of kind of how you got to where you are today. Yeah, so I, I started my first business at 19 with no money, no education, passed a high school diploma. Um, grew up in a trailer in a really small town and just wanted to be able to get out and do something, make some money and, and not to have to depend on anyone. So I got an SBA loan and started that first business and grew additional companies from there, invested in real estate and just really wanted to be able to break all of that down the 25 years I've been doing this and really kind of, you know, share it all with people so that they understand regardless of the background they're from or the family that they may have came from, that they too can build wealth. So you start with the kind of mental part of the process of overcoming the mental barriers to becoming wealthy. So you talk about um, what we hear about that's keeping you broke. So what are some of the main things that we hear about in our minds that keep us from succeeding? Well, you know, every single thing that you think or believe about money has been taught or caught from someone else in your life. So when you're trying to really pay attention to money and and why you maybe are broke or you don't have all the things that you want to have. It's really important to take a look back and see where did these beliefs come from and are they actually serving me? So we can break down all the strategy and all the tactics and all of the things necessary to build wealth. But if we don't first fix the junk that's in our mind that we've been carrying around from, you know, even well-intended people, it's really going to trip us up along the way. So that's why that's one of the first pieces of the book. So how do you do that? Say you've had a rough start and you have what you call a poor mentality. How do you go from that to having a more positive mentality? Well, first, it's taking a real hard, honest look at what is those thoughts and beliefs? What's that programming doing for you now? Do you have the life that you want? Do you have the, the money and the wealth that you've acquired? Is that where you want to be? And if not, it's remembering that we can choose again. We can choose another thought. So we actually break down in the book this quiz of all of the different thoughts that are most common, the 25 most common thoughts that people have. And we look at what exactly what you have, maybe what you're carrying around and how we can flip the script. It's really good to identify where it comes from so that we can change it and choose something different. And then it becomes a habit like anything else, right? We go to the gym, we pick up the first five pound weight. We need to be able to do that before we can do repetition. You know, that's always the mother of skill, making sure that we can do this consistently so that we can eventually pick up the 50 pound weight. And that's what's really important is making sure that whatever those beliefs are, that you are consciously choosing them. Otherwise, it will dictate your future as opposed to you choosing what you want it to be. So you say the, are there are four most common beliefs that keep you broke. The first one is scarcity. So how does scarcity in the people's minds uh, that keeps them broke? 
oftentimes people think, you know, maybe they heard it from a parent or from, you know, uh, somewhere else along the way that like, oh my gosh, this money isn't going to last. And when they're focused on lack, as you know, we just get more of that that we focus on. So when we're focused on lack and we're focused on all of these things, we end up just going to get more of it. So we really need to know the truth about money, the truth about making it, keeping it, acquiring it, and using it. And I think that's one of the most important parts is flipping that mindset from, you know, the truth, which is that money isn't scarce. There's a stat that says if you give all the money away from all the richest people in the world, eventually they're going to get all of that back because they've developed the habit and the skill of how to acquire it. That's because building wealth is a habit. So flipping from that mentality is going to make a huge difference in acquiring wealth. Your second broke belief is what you call future condition, kind of what you think about the future. How should people think differently about the future if they've had a rough past? Well, so it's reminding that where you've been, like a lot of times people have a lot of anxiety, they have a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, all of these things associated with money. But it's always remembering that is that belief serving you, you know, stress and debt, that stress syndrome, which is a really, really big thing, making sure that if that is something that you you've had about money, shame, anxiety, that it's not what you've done to get to this point. It's what we do next. That's the most important part. So if we're always focused on what we did and all of the things that we've done to get to this point, we're never going to be able to choose the next thing, which is then going to keep us stuck exactly where we are. And your your third so-called broke belief is lack of appreciation. What do you mean by that? So I feel that, you know, oftentimes people get into this, um, I call it destination addiction where they're so focused on what they want, they're so focused on the next level that they forget to really value and appreciate where they are now. And if you don't value and appreciate where you are, if you don't have gratitude, which is truly an important practice, it's not just some piffy line on the internet, it's literally so important in building wealth. Because if you don't have gratitude for what it is, it's kind of like this unsaid law that how are you going to get more? It's it's not an or. Like oftentimes people think they can't appreciate where they are and stretch and grow to the next level, but it really is an and. You can appreciate and you can grow. It is not an or. And so appreciation, gratitude is really important when it comes to wealth so that you can expand your view and allow more money and more wealth to come to you. And your fourth broke belief is to be around most people are around the wrong people as opposed to being around the right people. What kind of a difference could that make? Oh my gosh. Well, I think it's what Jim Rohn, the original quote that you're the sum of five people, right? So it's really tough if you have people that are not even intentionally sabotaging your goals, but they are really just, you know, they're doing the bougie weekend trips or they're going to the games all the time, or they're, you know, throwing kind of their financial goals to the wind, or they don't have any and they have credit card debt and they're overspending. Like you pick up what you're around. And so it's really important to be intentional with who you spend your time with, to be intentional with the people that you're around. And if you are not aligned with them, to be honest, to say, you know what, I'm really working towards financial freedom and that doesn't align with my goal, but I really appreciate you thinking of me. Those are some of the small things that everyone can start doing right now. So how can people who are hanging around with poor, unsuccessful people switch to hang around with wealthy, successful people? Well, you know, the interesting thing now is the the internet allows us to do that. We get to choose what we consume. 
And oftentimes people are just randomly consuming things on the internet and they're not being intentional with the information that they hear. So we get to choose what podcasts to listen to, self-education, what courses that we do, you know, who you actually are in rooms with. A lot of times people can pay to be in courses, pay to be in mentorship, pay to be in groups. And those are a really easy way to kind of hack to be around that circle until you have those types of friends. So the, the internet makes it so much easier following influencer, you know, influencers, I hate that word, but like following people on the internet that, that give good information, listening to podcasts like this, like these all expand. So it's really asking yourself, this person, this podcast, this social media platform that I'm listening to, does it expand my life in some way? Does it expand my health, expand my wealth, expand my joy? Or is it taking from me and I'm just consuming because I want to be distracted from reality? And it's those hard choices and decisions that everyone has to make. Yes, that could make a real difference in people's lives. We're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Candy Valentino. She's the author of a new book called Wealth Habits, Six Extraordinary Steps to Achieve Extraordinary Financial Freedom. You can find more about her and her book at her website, candyvalentino.com. We'll be back after this. Nobody likes the guy who says, I told you so. The guy in 1991 who said to you, invest in the internet, it's going to be huge. Or the guy in 1997 who said, come on, this is going to be big. They call it social media. And the guy in 2009 who said, I'm telling you, man, crypto is real. Now, I'm not going to be that guy who says, I told you so. But I am telling you that there is a 21-year-old international company where you can become a global project partner, earning a passive income doing exactly what you're doing at this moment. No selling, no recruiting clients, no administering a business after hours. Visit www.mypassiveincome.life now. That's mypassiveincome.life. Don't let history repeat itself on this one. Earn a passive income. Now listen again. That's mypassiveincome.life. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Candy Valentino, author of a new book called Wealth Habits, Six Extraordinary Steps to Achieve Extraordinary Financial Freedom. You can find out more at her website, candyvalentino.com. Welcome back to the show, Candy. Thanks for, for having me, Jordan. So you talk about seven core commitments to make to yourself. Uh, and the first one is to build your belief. How do you do that? Oh, well, you know what? It's interesting that 
this is like a fundamental principle that a lot of times, again, I can, we can talk about all the things that you need to do, but if you don't believe, if you don't actually believe in yourself, oftentimes we think that we need external validation, the opinions of others, our family, our friends, but really the reality is that you can be independently wealthy. You can build financial freedom just by believing in yourself. So I say, do you want to have the opinions of others to believe in you? Or do you want to believe in yourself so strongly that it doesn't matter what other people believe? And that's really a core key piece to starting is you have to believe that it's possible. And you can you have a choice. We can listen to all the crap that we've been taught and what people have said, or we get to choose to look at the proof around us of all the other people that have just done really ordinary and often boring things, and they too have achieved success. So there's proof around us. It depends on what we focus on. And so for me, starting out at 19, that was one of the very first things I had to do was just believe that I was going to be able to do it. And although I didn't have a track record at the time, I was able to look at other people who did it with a similar circumstance as me to know that it was possible. And I'll take it one, if, I, if I'm able to give your listeners one uh, little hack to, yeah. to, to be able to make this land. You know, oftentimes people think that, oh, you know, I, I made bad decisions. I wasn't able to do this. And, you know, I come from a bad family or, or I don't have an education, which, you know, all of those things would be true about me as well. But the interesting thing is if you take out a sheet of paper and you write down all the things that has happened to you in your life, all of the challenges that you've faced, all the things that were sent to destroy you, all the adversity that you overcome, and you just take five minutes and write all of that down. And when you start to doubt yourself that you're going to be able to do some of the stuff that we're talking about on this episode, you pull out that sheet and you review it and you remember who you are. You remember what you've overcome and you remember that you've literally survived 100% of your worst days. So building wealth, starting a business is nothing compared to the things that most people have overcome in their lifetime. So our memories are often short and we forget the things that we've overcome. So that list is something that I did when I was uh, 15 years old and I've done it all the time. I've carried it around, new things I've added to it so that when I feel like, oh my gosh, there's no way I can write a book in this timeline and take 25 years and digest it down, I pull out that list and see the real things that I had to overcome so that it makes it put, puts life in a perspective and made me rem remember that writing a book is nothing compared to all of these other things that I actually overcome. And I know anyone listening has had to, to do that as well. So I think that's a great exercise that anyone can implement that will really shift your belief in yourself until you have the proof for others around you. Your second uh, core commitment is to be persistent. You think a lot of people are not persistent, they give up too easily? A hundred percent. I think that what people want and where, where their goals are do not align with their current actions. Oftentimes we are so focused on the now, the instant gratification. We, we want to look rich as opposed to be wealthy. And so people get tripped up in the short-term instant gratification and they they miss that it's playing the long game it's really being persistent and having discipline to accomplish your goals like that's truly what wealth's all about it's playing the long games like money businesses relationships our greatest asset is compound interest and so you have to be persistent towards your goals and you have to care more about your goals than other people's opinions or you'll never be persistent and then you say you need to be solution focused as opposed to what is the alternative to solution focused? 
the way our brains are wired are problem focused, right? We get a, we have a, an issue come up and it's like, oh my gosh, this is the problem. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do about this problem? As opposed to how do I solve this problem? And so I think people are too focused on the problem at hand and not focused on what can we do about the problem. Uh, one of the stories that I wrote about this in the book is, you know, Southwest Airlines had all of their planes on the ground for, I think it was 43 minutes to change tires and gas up when there was a flight taking off. And it was like, they were, I mean, they have thousands and thousands of flights, obviously every single day, and all these planes are being grounded. And they kept saying like, why are we on the ground for so long? Well, when you frame a question, why are we on the ground for so long? Your entire team will tell you exactly why you're on the ground for so long. But if you shift it to solutions and say, how can we get off the ground in half the time? It triggers a different part of your brain that then everyone starts to solve the solution as opposed to to the reasons of why. The same thing happens with money, businesses, and our own lives. If you ask yourself, oh my gosh, why am I in this financial place? Your brain is gonna give you all of the reasons, all of the mistakes, everything that you did of why you're in this financial place. But if you say, how can I get out of this place? And instead of taking two years, what if I needed to do it in 90 days? What would I do? It's amazing how our brains will help us sort through the information to find a solution and that will actually be able to take your goals and compress them into a shorter amount of time. So that's why solution focus is really important. You then say you need to be your own champion. What do you mean by that? I kind of alluded to that in one of the others, but it's, you know, if it's your dream, like whatever your dream is, you, you, you know, want to have a high net worth, you want to have a business, you want to, you know, I don't know, have 200 doors of real estate, whatever your dream is, that's your dream. That's your goal. You have to be willing to go at it alone and be your own cheerleader. And, and even if nobody else is cheering for you, I remember so many times in the past 25 years that I had so many people around me saying, there's no way you're going to pull that off. There's no way that's going to work. That location won't work here. But I believed enough in myself. I was persistent enough. I was solution focused. And I was my own cheerleader to say that I don't need the external validation to do it as long as I have confidence in myself to achieve it. And I think people often need that those opinions of others in order to be a cheerleader, but you have to be your own cheerleader in order to do anything that you truly want to do, especially go to the next level. And then you talk about creating your own blueprint. Uh, how, how do people do that? Should they write it down? Yeah. So, I mean, 90% of all businesses fail. You know, it's a stat that's a little bit of taken out of context, but there is a lot of truth to it. And it's because they don't really have a goal. They don't really have a plan and you don't have to have some like five year plan that you probably won't use, but you got to get it out of your brain and on paper. The blueprint is literally taking all of the things that you think that you want and getting it sketched out on paper so that you can visually see it. It's something that actually activates part of our brain, the reticulating activating system in order to help us achieve our goals. So my whole thing, you know, growing up poor and, and in a small town, like I needed to leverage every single thing possible. I needed the data. I needed the information, but I also used anything that I learned from science and the brain in order to help me. And so I don't think building wealth is just about, you know, thinking and getting rich. You also do to be wealthy, but when you have the two working together, the belief and the action, that's when you can have extraordinary results. And then you say you need to be a swift decision maker. You find a lot of people kind of dawdle and don't make uh, decisive moves? Oh my goodness, yes. I mean, speed of speed of execution is everything. I, I talk to so many entrepreneurs that like 
fantasize over the ideation phase for far too long. They have this billion dollar idea or this great dream, but wealth and businesses, neither of them are built on great ideas. They're built on the implementation and execution of those ideas. And that's where a lot of people fail. They have the great idea, but they don't execute it. And most times, too, people underestimate how long and how much time that implementation and execution will take. So speed of execution is everything. Like if you're launching a product, launching a business, if you're you know flipping a rental property or having a long-term hold, how fast you acquire, renovate, and get that product to market is going to truly mean the difference in your returns. We're kind of in a pre-recession mode now, I guess you might say. Things, the economy is slowing down because the Federal Reserve wants that to happen. What are some ways to recession-proof your life? Well, I think the most important thing is to remember every talking point, every media article, every news story is all clickbait to get your attention. Now, I'm not saying that that doesn't mean that an article may be true, but the whole goal is to get your attention, to capture your attention for you to read. So obviously, big words like recession are going to capture people's attention. What does a recession mean? It's simply an economic downturn. And when we review the data over 40 years, every single time in history that has had an economic push, which is what we just came out of, is going to have some sort of settling because there's no chart or vertical that goes up forever. So all this is, is market settling, market downturn, market uncertainty, right? But if when we use those words, they're not quite as like scary as using the term recession. So there's one thing I want everyone to remember that in every single economic downturn, in every single economic challenge, there is one thing consistent and it's opportunity. Opportunity for the little guy to get into the market, opportunity for people to start getting into real estate. Those are That's what's created in any type of economic downturn. And I'll also give you this, that there is nothing that will happen in our country's economy that will matter more than what happens in your own personal economy, which is why it is so important when you are in really good times and you are doing exceptionally well, that you prepare for the bad times or for the economic downturns. And how does that mean? One, having a fallback fund. If you've got you know, family to take care of, if you have a business and employees to take care of, making sure that you have a few months, even if it's three at a bare minimum, it should be closer to 12, highly liquid. So if at any point something happens, it shifts in the market or the vertical that you're in in your industry, that you have money to fall back on to still provide for your family. People are typically focused on building wealth, but what they miss is also that they have to protect the wealth they already acquired. So having a fallback fund is key. Also looking at recession-proof stocks. Every single chart that I reviewed for the book and we did a massive research and study for wealth habits, we saw that all of these different stocks there is a time and a place depending on when it's more secure. And in recessions, there's things like, you know, when money is sparse and people still have to buy, they're not doing luxuries as much, but they're still buying groceries. They're still buying gas. They're now shopping a little more smart with, you know, shopping at Amazon and Walmart. And so a lot of those types of stocks are more secure. The other thing that people still need to get regardless of what's going on are big pharma. So there's another type of stock to look at. And typically in any other market, I would never even talk about these. But when you start to come into a recession, it's great to perhaps have conversations with your financial pros about what treasuries and mortgage-backed securities are mean and what would be perhaps as a small diversity within your portfolio. Those are all conversations to have. 
And another is recession-proof businesses. You know, we, we look at all of these like sexy, fun, innovative things, but recession-proof businesses are typically, they have a very simplistic business model. They don't really have to reinvent anything. You know, I love like storage sheds and laundromats and rental properties, like, you know, hair salons. Those are all great recession-proof businesses that don't require a lot of innovation and they have stood the test of time. I have a list of them in the book. And that's just a few ways that you can really start to look at recession-proofing your finances and your business. Um, and then even in your life, you know, there's a lot of things that you could be doing now to set yourself up so that you don't have as much challenge. And that really depends on how you diversify your investments within your portfolio. Very good. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Candy Valentino. She's the author of a new book called Wealth Habits, Six Ordinary Steps to Achieve Extraordinary Financial Freedom. You can find out more at her website, candyvalentino.com. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Candy Valentino, author of Wealth Habits, Six, Extra Six Ordinary Steps to Achieve Extraordinary Financial Freedom. You can find out more at her website, candyvalentino.com. Welcome back to the show, Candy. Thanks, Jordan. You have a chapter on what you call three secret tax strategies that sound illegal, but actually are totally legal. The first one is what you call the tax deduction in the playroom. Uh, how do you uh, get a tax deduction for hiring your kids? Yeah, so this is an interesting thing. I realized when I came kind of out of the exit of my last company that there were a lot of things that 
you know, entrepreneurs that are having larger companies do when they work with a tax strategist. But then there's a lot of entrepreneurs that are leaving tons of money, like thousands of dollars on the table um, because they've worked with a tax planner or a tax preparer as opposed to like a true strategist that knows business and entrepreneurs. So that's first thing. Anyone listening, if you have a business, you want to make sure that you run all of these by a tax strategist. Just make sure that it works the way that your business is structured. Now that we have that out of the way, <laughs> we want to um, talk about the the kids. So a lot of times people think that, you know, their kids aren't necessarily that they may be helping in the shop or they may be stuffing envelopes or they could do these things. You can actually put your kids on your payroll and deduct that because you can get them. And again, it depends on how your business is structured and what you pay them. And there's a lot of variables, but it's important to know the information so you can start the conversation. And it's also important to know that you can pay them up to $12,000 a year. This changes every single year. So depending on when you're listening and then you can deduct that from your taxable income in your business. You can also start a Roth IRA. If they're under 18, it would be a custodial Roth IRA. And you can also contribute to their um, Roth IRA so that you can make them millionaires before they even graduate high school, you know, because of the way that it's going to extrapolate over the S&P 500, which is roughly about 9.3% when we looked at the data over 40 years. So there's a lot of ways that you can start to make your kids wealthy, but it really starts with what you teach your kids. You know, I feel like financial literacy, it's a really important hot topic. It's a it's a passionate topic of, of mine because I feel like it's something that the schools are really missing out on. You know, we're talking about civil wars and things that you can look up online. Meanwhile, it's like we're not telling kids how to manage money or balance a checkbook or pay their taxes. And then when they turn 18 and come out of this sheltered kiddie pool. We're expecting them to just kind of figure all of this stuff out on their own. And we wonder why we have a debt crisis in the world. So one of the most important things you can do aside from the tax benefit with your kid is to teach your kids about finances. It's not just the schools. It's also what they do at home. And so I often say, rather than just giving your kids money, setting them up on payroll, having them understand money and how it works. And then when you go to buy school supplies or school clothes or, or, or do their sports that you literally give them a budget and if and rather than having like, you know, OK, we're just going to go buy all your school stuff, you use that thousand dollars or that three hundred dollars or whatever you spend and you give them that so that they can start to learn pricing and what's important to them, whether it's, you know, 25 shirts for the three hundred dollars or they buy one pair of Jordans and have one pair of socks, like having them understand the consequences of decisions that they make around money will teach them far more than they will learn in school about it. Your second tax strategy is the so-called Hummer loophole to write off luxury SUVs. How does that work? So Section 179 in the tax code has been around forever, and this always fluctuates from year to year, whether you can do accelerated depreciation and write the whole thing off or if you have a certain cap that you can write it off. But a lot of businesses like landscaping, um, auto repair, tow truck service, all of those vehicles have a very high gross vehicle weight. So there's a section in the tax code that was dubbed the Hummer loophole because people were doing this with Hummers when in the very beginning, but it's any vehicle that has a gross weight of over 6,000 pounds. You could then take this accelerated depreciation as long as you're using it for business use, of course, and it has to be at least 50% of the business use. Whatever the percentage is that you're using it for business, you can then deduct that amount of the purchase price um, from your taxes and reduce your taxable income. So that's why you'll see a lot of entrepreneurs driving Range Rovers, Porsche Cayennes, um, Tahoes, Suburbans, 
you know, all of the Escalades, they're all over 6,000 pounds, which gives them, depending on the tax code at that year, it gives them tax advantages to reduce their taxable income. And in 2018, I believe the fair tax code um, that came out, there was some changes made that also was not just for brand new cars, but it was also new to you, any car that was put in service. So that was another change that you could go buy a used car that was you know, several years old, allow somebody else to take the depreciation and still write that whole amount off, depending if it's full business use or not, on your taxes. So there was a lot, a lot of money that was being left on the table for people that did not know these loopholes. And the third one is what you call the Augusta rule, just to rent your personal house to your business. How does that work? Yeah. So depending on how your business is structured, you know, you can do the Augusta rule actually came about in like decades ago. I don't know. I think it was like 1937. I have the the stat in the book. I don't have it memorized. But um, it was really because in Augusta, Georgia, where the good, the the big golf course is, that there was a need for housing when people came in for that golf tournament. And so people were allowed to rent their homes and didn't have to pay tax on it to up to 14 days while it's stuck in the tax code. So let's say you have a business and where you do team retreats or you entertain clients or you do dinners and you can take a fair market value of all the resorts and different planning uh, places in your area to see what it would cost to have an event there or have a retreat there or have a business meeting there. And instead you can do it in your home and you would have just a simple lease basically that Your business would pay rent to you from the business account, like from the LLC or S Corp, whatever you have. That's a tax deduction out of the business, money in your pocket. And if it's under 14 days um, or less, you don't have to pay tax on it. So it's a really great way that people can leverage, depending on the business that they're in, they can use their home and offset that cost for their business and not put it in, say, the Marriott's pocket. Very good. You also have a whole chapter on real estate investing, which you call the hat trick of building wealth. Why is real estate the hat trick of building wealth? Well, I don't know a lot of sports, but if you can tell, I even kind of stumbled over the golf thing because I was trying to think of what the golf tournament was called. <laughs> but um, And I don't know a lot about it, but I do know in hockey, there's a thing called the hat trick. It's when you get three scores. And real estate has at least three scores. It actually has more, but I always like to focus on three. You always want something that your money is going to make money, right? Cash flow. And we can do that in businesses. We can do that in a bunch of different ways. But real estate has three distinct points, if you will. Your money is going to make money, hopefully, if you buy right and you price it right, and that's cash flow. Your money is going to sit inside of an asset, number two, appreciation, and it's going to grow while it's in there. And number three, you're going to be able to have a business in real estate, which now is going to open yourself up to save more money in taxation. The one that we don't talk about that I do in the use in the book is it opens you up to leverage and also Um, amortization, which is kind of more of a phantom expense that you get to deduct. Most times in business, we have to spend money in order to deduct money. Only in real estate do we get the phantom expense of being able to depreciate an asset without actually spending more for it. So that's a great way that you could leverage it. Real estate investing is, if I looked back, it's definitely how I made more substantial amount of my wealth because I was taking money out of my business, living on less than I needed, and then investing that into real estate and then just continue to grow that property after property after property. And so it's a really great way that people can, especially now, depending on what shifts in the market, if we have some challenges in those below median homes, like under that you know, 350000 range, we would be able to have, you know, um, 
have that ability to be able to get into the market and people start kind of start acquiring real estate. It's a lower barrier of entry. And that might, someone might be listening to think, wait, it takes a lot of money to get into real estate. But the interesting thing with real estate is I can take a million dollars in leverage to buy four or 5 million in real estate. But if I want to buy four or 5 million in stocks, I need four or $5 million. So it's a really interesting way that you can get more assets, open yourself up to all the great ways of passive income and be able to leverage your money to make more because otherwise we're never going to keep up with inflation. We're never going to keep up with all of the increases of just life has so that we don't get to a place that we're 65 and trying to live on social security benefits. So real estate is a great way to diversify and expand your passive income. What do you think about long-term rental versus short-term rental, like renting by the year versus Airbnb, you know, short-term rentals where you get more income, but it's more management. What what are the pros and cons of those? Yeah. So I have lots of friends in both um, and they like to argue back, which is better. I'll give you my opinion. Airbnbs and short-term rentals, although they can absolutely be a great business and moneymaker, they're not true passive income. You have to manage check-in and check-outs. You have a lot more wear and tear, a lot more things you have to put into the property. So it's more of an active business than passive income. That's the biggest, that's the biggest difference. So long-term holds, when you buy it right and you're holding property long-term, you have less chance of risk. Because if I'm buying something for the short-term, if I'm flipping it, if I'm doing a short-term rental, I have more risk because at any point, you know, you buy a house that short-term rentals are allowed. And then all of a sudden the township, the municipality or the city changes their laws. And now you can't have that as a short-term rental. Well, what's going on in the market? What if you have to sell that? Can you actually do a long-term hold? So I personally think that the safer bet just generally speaking, again, I'm not saying that you can't make money. I know people that make tons of money in short-term rentals, but I think you do have to do a lot more due diligence and you do have a little more risk. Multifamily, as a sense, uh, uh, on the flip side, there is infinite demand. Like there is always a demand for housing and rentals. And when there are shifts in the market, sometimes that demand increases. Short-term rentals, depending on where you are, they are getting really saturated in some areas. Now, people will always want to have vacations and go to the beach. And so I think there will always be a need. But I personally have been burnt a couple of times on short-term rentals. So it's not something that I actively pursue. I think long-term, the more doors you have, the better. The current Federal Reserve policy is to raise interest rates. Mortgages are over 7% these days. Do you think that's going to make, do some major damage to the real estate market? I think it's going to affect a certain subset of the market. And the challenge is, I don't, you know, the federal government, I'm not exactly sure who they think that they're hurting with this, but the ultra wealthy are not getting loans. The ultra wealthy are paying cash for properties. So really who they're hurting are the people that they pledge to protect is the middle and the lower class. That's who's not able to get loans, you know, or afford them. You know, prior to in 2001, when we look back, the interest rates on the current housing, you could afford, just in contrast, a $600,000 house for the exact same price that currently today, you can get a $380,000 house for the same 30-year fixed mortgage rate. And so to think of that, you're almost getting half the price of a house because of, of interest rates. But who's buying those homes? It's not the ultra wealthy. So, you know, it's just, it's a shame that our current administration and just government in a whole says one thing and then they do another and, and rates are going to definitely affect people that are buying homes in that lower price point range. Um, what it will hopefully do though is have people 
that can't afford the big home, hopefully what it'll do is have them be able to afford a smaller home. And then when rates come down, they'll be able to refi, which is why if it's a great time for you to buy a house, it still could be a great time for you to buy a house because you can always refi that rate down the road when rates get better because they always do. Very good. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest is Candy Valentino. Her book is called Wealth Habits, Six Ordinary Steps to Achieve Extraordinary Financial Freedom. And you can find out more at her website, candyvalentino.com. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth and Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth and Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Candy Valentino. She's the author of a new book called Wealth Habits, Six Ordinary Steps to Achieve Extraordinary Financial Freedom. Her website, Candy valentino.com. Welcome back to Show Candy. Thanks, Jordan. So you end the book by saying after you've achieved all the success, the ultimate uh, true wealth, as you put it, is in contribution, giving back. Talk about what you call the final habit. Mm. So, you know, it was interesting. And I was about 25 years old and I was already in my business for, you know, six years or so at that point. I was investing in real estate. I had, you know, more money than I ever thought a 20 I would have. <laughs> Basically, I set goals when I was, you know, 15 years old that I would achieve them by the time I was 30. And, you know, lo and behold, I had them all when I was 23. And so from 23 to 25, I was kind of a little coasting. I was trying to figure out what to do. I was wanting to open like, a, you know, more locations and franchise my business and, you know, do all these things. And, I remember coming around one of the buildings that I had bought, a commercial building on the corner. And I remember coming around and um, leaving my office that day and had all the things from the outside, you know, had the car that I wanted, had the, the clothes that I wanted, had all of this stuff. And I remember pulling up to a red light and I saw this building that I bought, this empty commercial building. And I, I looked at that building and I looked up the street and my goal was to buy this whole entire street. Um, I don't know if I just really like Monopoly or what, but I really wanted to buy all of these buildings and, and own the entire street. And I looked at that corner building and I thought, man, what am I going to do with that building? And it was like when I looked up the street, it was the recognition of everything I had done to get to that point and yet still feeling completely unfulfilled. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, like I did 
all of this. Like I accomplished all of that. I scratched and clawed and grinded my way to get here for this feeling. And it was like a voice, like us talking, just said, put your animal shelter there. And I remember thinking, I, what? I, like, I've always loved animals. I love giving back, but I don't, I don't want to have an animal shelter. I don't want to start a nonprofit. Like I'm about to expand into four locations and do this franchising with this attorney. And, but yet there was something inside of me that just felt right about it too. And so I've literally abandoned this whole like mega empire decision and started a nonprofit. And it was interesting because I thought I was starting a nonprofit to give back. I thought I was starting to make a difference. What I didn't realize was that through that contribution, that I was the one that was getting everything in return. I was the one that get, was getting healed. I was the one that was having a difference made in my life because I was focused not on what I could acquire and what I could do, but I was focused on what I could do for others, how I could help other people, how I could serve a community, how I can pull people into a movement. And so without having any knowledge of any of that world, I literally just had everything we talked about today. I had the belief. I was persistent. I figured it out. I was my own cheerleader. I was, you know, the one in the room when everybody said it wouldn't work and I made sure that it did. And so it's interesting how when we come from a place of just wanting to build money and wanting to acquire assets and wanting to build wealth, I promise you that if that is the only reason why you want to listen to this show, that you want to get my book, don't buy the book. Like if the only thing you want to do is have a bunch of flashy cars and travel around the world and just, you know, flash your life on Instagram, like don't, don't even buy my book because you're going to miss the whole point. The whole point of having wealth is to build a rich life to not have the accumulation of things, but to truly build a wealthy life that you can make something beyond you. Because I promise you, if that's the only goal, you will wake up one day, whether you're 25 or 85, and you will think, is this it? Did I accomplish all of that and climb all of these mountains just to get this feeling? Because we typically are trying to buy something. It's a dopamine hit. We're trying to buy something to fill a void that we have in our life to create a moment of happiness. And what people don't realize when they don't have a lot, they think that by acquiring more, they're going to fill that void and have more happiness and get more dopamine. But the feeling that you're actually after isn't happiness. The feeling that you're actually after is fulfillment. And fulfillment is what sustains, it's what lasts, it's what keeps you up at night, it's what gets you up in the morning. And when I did the research for the book, it's amazing because there are six human needs that every single human has. That's what we search, it's what we go after, it's what we're trying to find unconsciously. And it's things like certainty, variety. This is all based off Maslow's work. This wasn't my work, but there was one piece that I discovered. Maslow's work was all the Tony Robbins then adapted. It's all things like certainty, uh, uncertainty, variety, love and connection, significance, growth and contribution. But the one interesting thing is when we try to buy something or look rich or acquire things or, or, or build our, you know, build our name, even it's it's a significance play. It's a certainty play. It's we're trying to have money to fill these needs. But the interesting thing, there's only one thing that will give you all of those. And it's contribution. Contribution gives you all of those things. And that's why it's the final habit because it's the focus of why we should be building wealth to begin with. You talk about walking toward that which breaks your heart. What do you mean by that? 
I think a lot of times people think that they need to sit around and try to find their purpose and, you know, well, I don't know how to contribute. I don't know what to do. Like, where should I even start? Like, what breaks your heart? Like, what causes, what types of people, what types of missions? For me, it's animals, like all day. Like, literally, I see an animal that's in pain or suffering, and it's like, you know, how much money do you need? What do I need to do, (laughs) you know, to help end that suffering? I see people suffering. I see kids suffering. It's like, what do I need to do? What do I need to give? It's like, walk towards that which breaks your heart. Because if you have something that gives you an emotional and a visceral response when you see it or witness it, it may give you the little bit of nudge that you need to see what exactly you want to contribute towards. Because sometimes people don't know what they're passionate about. And that's okay. None of us wake up and know what we're passionate about until we kind of find it in motion. So I just I just ask everyone that if you're, whatever your place is in life, like we can always either, we have time or we have money. Give away 10% of your money or give away 10% of your time. And, and I would challenge everyone to do both because you probably have both. Take a little less time on social media and you can probably give away more time too. So I think it's walking towards that, which you have an emotional visceral response to. That's what's going to light you up when you start to contribute to that specific cause mission in a certain way. And I think it'll start to give you clarity towards what the greater vision and purpose of your life is. You talk about personal relationships and how they can help or hurt you financially. What difference does it make to have a good versus a bad personal relationship? I think it's everything. I think that you could do all of the things that we're talking about and be with the wrong person, you know, that has the wrong set of values. I think that, you know, people oftentimes find, try to find, again, fulfillment in a relationship as opposed to really becoming who they need to be first. I often say, like, before you take someone else's name, build your own. Before you share a bank account with someone, build your own. Before you have assets with someone else, build your own. So I think it's it's a relationship is really difficult and financial issues come up number one in all relationships. So it's how can you make sure that you are fulfilled, that you are happy so that you're not trying to have someone else fulfill you or make you happy. It's an inside job. And so I think that people just need to make sure to do the work before they start to combine all of these things with somebody else. In the roughly two minutes we have left, why don't you kind of summarize what difference it'll make in people's lives to follow the advice you're giving in wealth habits? You know, I think oftentimes we think that wealth and success is from the innovation or invention of some great idea or some life-changing technology. And the interesting thing is that it's not. It's a lot of ordinary and often boring things that anyone can do regardless of their education, their circumstances, or their background. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to make sure this book is written very simply it's, I don't have some fancy MBA or doctorate. It's just written very simply that anyone can do if you're willing to do the work and play the long game. And that's what I think the most important part of the book is. It's It doesn't matter where you are now. The circumstances of your life do not have to dictate the next level of life if you choose and decide otherwise. But all of that starts with you. The decision to build wealth habits starts with the decision to begin, to begin different habits, different choices, and different decisions, and that will result in an extraordinary financial life. Terrific. Well, thanks so much. We've learned a lot, uh, a lot of great ideas, and we didn't get to everything in the book by any means. Uh, You can find out more about Candy Valentino's book at her website, 
candyvalentino.com. And again, it's called Wealth Habits, Six Ordinary Steps to Achieve Extraordinary Financial Freedom. Thanks so much for being a great guest on the Money Answer Show, Candy. Thank you so much for having me, Jordan. I really appreciate it. Thanks again. And we'll be back next week with another edition of the Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.